0: You know, uh, the truth is that life can be a lot of conflict in life. I mean, life is a battle oftentimes. And, and I want to talk today about God's game plan for victory because, you know, it's really true. We have an incredible coaching staff. We have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're a team. You know, we're a team. And that, what an incredible coaching staff we have. It's unbelievable. Now, I want you to know, though, that the truth is, in fact, if you look at your notes, uh, it says that uh, God has a game plan but somebody else has a game plan too. What's his name? Satan. Satan has a game plan too. And do you know he has a coaching staff as well? In fact, uh, we read in Ephesians 6:12, 12, uh, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers. That word is archon in the Greek. It means princes. In other words, that's his offensive and defensive coordinators, the big, you know, the big ones. And uh, and then it says authorities of unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world. And that, that would be the, like, the lower coordinators, you know, like the linebacker coordinator, the quarterback coordinator. And, uh, and, then, uh, and, so, and then it says, and evil spirits in heavenly places. And that's his team. That's all the demons that are on the field, you know. So, so basically, uh, we're God's team, and uh, Satan has his team. And the truth is uh, that it's an interesting battle. Now, I, I want you to know God's game plan is, is, is really a great game plan. Satan's is not so great. Satan's game plan is found in John 10.10, where it says that the, that the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So that's, that's the enemy's game plan. But, but God said, but I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. This is what Jesus said. So uh, how, many you know, how many of you know we're, we're on the right team, amen? Uh, you know, we got, a great, we got a great team, and we got to play as a team. And, and, uh, and by the way, I'm going to talk about the, the game today. I hear some people saying, that's not very spiritual, Pastor. I know it isn't, but actually there's a lot of ties in between football and the game of life. And, uh, you know, the truth is that Gary Kubiak and his staff, they have a game plan. Uh, Just like God has a game plan, and uh, Ron Rivera, the (laughs) Panthers coach, and his team, uh, they have a game plan just like Satan has a game plan. Anyway. (laughs) 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 Now, I know we might have some Carolina fans. They're not dressed in Carolina garb, which was really smart of them, but anyway. I had a security guard tell me, he says, man, if I see a Carolina fan, I'm going to give him a hard time. I'm going to say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> but you know what? God operates in unconditional love, so we got to love those Carolina fans. And I'm just teasing when I say that's Satan game plan. In fact, you know, both teams have a lot of Christians. And, uh, you know, the, the, the truth is that uh, they both have an incredible game plan. Now, I'll just talk to you a little bit. You know, uh, basically... Uh, the Broncos are going to really have to do a few things right. And it's going to take a team effort. The offensive line is going to have to really good good protection to Peyton. That's really important. They also, they'll have to have a running game. The offensive line has to open up, open up holes so that, because the, the running game will help at the same time will help Peyton, uh, you know, so the combination of two. And so that's really important on offense. On defense, they've got to contain Cam Newton. Now they've got to get pressure on him, but they also can't let him, you know, run for 20, 30 yards as he's done in other games. So they've got to contain him and get pressure on him. That's a lot of, lot of pressure, but the defense has to come through. Offense has to come through. Carolina, on the other hand, they've got to protect Cam. They've got to keep uh, the defense from getting him because the defense really got to Brady two weeks ago and uh, the Broncos defense. And so they've got to protect him. Uh, They also, you know, they're going to have to really uh, gear up on their offense as well. And, uh, and, you know, it's going to be a great game. And by the way, uh, we have one of the players attends our church, and he's there. I uh, texted he and his wife last night and told him we're praying for him. If you just want to just run that quick uh, little excerpt, uh, he's actually the punter, Britton Polkler. One of the themes that I like to use is uh, audience of one. Think about him being my audience of one, and that kind of takes the pressure off too, you know, because he's not about performance like the world is, you know, and so he's more about your heart. So um, it's an honor to be able to play football. I'm thankful for to God that I have a, such a great family, a healthy family, three babies, so. <laughs> All right. Now, the punting game is very important, too. I just want you to know that, too. That's really important. And it played a big role in both the last two playoff games. So anyway, you can be praying for Britain and the rest of the team. But, uh, but anyway, I, I just uh, I want to talk to you a little bit uh, about Satan's game plan because uh, I think it's really easy to fall into the, you know, we're walking on the road and you can fall in the ditch on either side. Some people put so much effort and energy and focus on Satan that they forget about God. Now that's not smart. However, on the other side of the ditch, these people totally ignore the enemy. They think, well, I'm a Christian. I don't have to deal with any, any, any enemy or anything. So I'm just, I'm fine. I'm just going to ignore him. And, you know, and, and that's not smart either. There's a balance in between where we keep our eyes on him and we deal with any attacks from the enemy. Amen? And so it's important that we have that balance. Now, uh, I just want to talk about Satan's plan because Satan's game plan depends upon deception, seduction, intimidation. Say intimidation, that's the blank. 1 Peter 5.10 says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, uh, and he takes advantage of our weaknesses. Now, here, here's the thing. Now, why does he prowl around like a roaring lion? Because he has been defanged and detoothed or deteethed. I don't know how you say that. But anyway, he's lost his bite and he's lost his fang. So he has to use deception. He has to use intimidation. He has to use seduction and temptation. And he has to use methods because basically it's not really a fair fight because Jesus defeated Satan 2,000 years ago on the cross. So he is a defeated foe. He has no feet. Anyway, he is, he's defeated. And so it's really important to know that. A lot of Christians don't understand that, so they don't understand the authority that they have. And so oftentimes, the enemy takes advantage of that. And uh, he's very, very deceptive. You know, he, he's very good at what he does, and he has to be. You know, it's interesting that uh, in Ephesians uh, 6.11, actually the King James and the New King James uses the word uh, that we must be aware of the wiles of the devil. Now we don't use the word wiles, other translations you know, use other, trans, you know, other, but the word there in the Greek is methodia and it means, it means clever, deceptive, uh, lying methods basically. And, you know, we know that Satan is the father of lies, according to Jesus, when he spoke in John 8, 44. So, you know, he'll try to use any deception he can to take down God's people. And uh, so it's really important that we understand that. Now, uh, 2,600 years ago, there was a man who wrote a book, and he wasn't a Christian, but he wrote a book that has been studied over centuries, still used today even, uh, as far as warfare. And actually, uh, his name was Sun Tzu, and he wrote the book *The Art of War*. And I want you to hear this statement that he makes. Uh, I've I've got it in your notes, but he says, "If you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles." Did you hear that? In other words, you're aware of the enemy, but you're also aware of who you are in Christ. I'm putting in a Christian context. If you know yourself but not the enemy. That's the people on this side of the ditch, uh, you know, and not the enemy. For every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. Now, if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. I believe that's great wisdom. And it really ties in with the Word of God, actually. And so it's very, very important to be aware of who you are in Christ, understanding the authority and what Jesus has accomplished, so you can walk that out at the same time being aware of what the enemy does. Now, let me just say this. The enemy's tactics are, are, are really different. In other words, he doesn't come in the third person and say, you're a jerk. Instead of that, he'll say, you know, I'm a jerk. He won't say, you know, your life is not worth living. You need to take it. He doesn't say that. He goes, I need to take my life because my life is not worth living. In other words, he tries to get you to receive his thoughts as your own. And when you begin to realize that, you will not, and and he has to attack the mind. He has to attack the emotions. He has to attack that part of you because he can't get to your spirit. You see, when you got born again, the the part of you, I mean, we're one person, but we're spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit came alive unto God. Where the Spirit of God is, no darkness can exist. Therefore, a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. However, a Christian can be oppressed, can be attacked emotionally, mentally, in their body. Uh, However, they cannot be possessed. Uh, And so it's really important to understand that. It's important to know that. And it's important to be able to walk in that. Now, uh, again, you know, I think Uh, When you really understand this, it really helps you to understand his plan and what he has in mind. Colossians 2, 14 and 15 says this. I love this. He, Jesus, canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now think about that. When Jesus hung and died on the cross, he took all the sins of the world upon himself. He said, it is finished. He knew the battle had been won. And and literally, he conquered death and hell. And so when you understand that, that his, he nailed all your sins to the cross. He took care of that for you and for me and for, for, for those, you know, and the sad part is he did it for everyone, but some people don't know that yet. And that's why we're called to reach out to those people and help them to understand the truth so they can be set free. Now, it's interesting, in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 17, it talks about how Satan was cast out of heaven. See, Satan actually was Lucifer. He was son of the morning. Many believe he was the worship leader of heaven. Uh, he, He was very musical, and he was beautiful. But he began to become just enamored with his own beauty. He became enamored with the glory that was going to God and began to take it. And so it says uh, in, in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 17, that he was cast out of heaven. Also in Isaiah 14, I don't have time to take you to all these scriptures, but in Isaiah 14, about 12 through 14, it also talks about how he said, I will ascend into heaven. I will, you know, take the glory. I will do this. I will do that. It was all about him. And so pride caused him to literally be cast out of heaven. And that's why Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And so uh, he was cast out of heaven, but (laughs) he hasn't given up even though he's been, and he's been assigned eventually to hell uh, where he and his angels, that's what it's prepared for. That's where he'll eventually end up. In the meantime, he's trying to create as much havoc as he can. And so we need to be aware of that, but we need to know who we are in Christ. And so I want to talk about God's, God's strategy for our victory. And uh, it's really important to know this. And so number one, Number one, say number one. Embrace God's leading even when it seems irrational. Say irrational. irrational. Now I want you to know that oftentimes God's plan does not make sense to our natural mind. God has a plan for us, but sometimes it doesn't make sense. You can look at the Bible. On, uh, if you were here on Wednesday night, uh, Torrance, uh, the, the head of our school, did a great job talking about Jericho. Now, I don't know. Try to make your, put yourself in the position of, of, of those people that were marching around the city. This is a very strong city. And they were marching around. They were told to march around the, the city, uh, you know, seven times. And on the seventh day, they would give a shout and that the walls would come down. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be a little skeptical about that. I'm thinking that's a great plan, but the walls are going to come down just because we shout. That sounds a little bit out there. However, sometimes God's plans for us, they, they're not, they don't compute with our, our, our natural rational mind. And so sure enough, what do they do? You know, they march around the city and then on the seventh day, they give a shout yeah, like that. And what happens to the walls? They come down. I mean, it's an amazing thing. You know, it's an amazing thing because it wasn't a rational thing. And yet God wanted to show his power, and oftentimes he'll tell you to do something and then demonstrate himself in such a powerful way. Another example is in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20. It's a story about the, uh, the Ammon and, and Moab and these like barbaric individuals that were, were just warring against Israel, and they, Israel was far outnumbered. And so what does God tell them to do? First of all, God says, don't worry about it. You know, rest in me. The battle is the Lord. The battle is mine. And uh, and so what he does is he tells to send out all the praisers in front and that the praisers are going to go out and praise God and worship him. And then they'll win the battle. Now, what if you were one of those praisers and you are sent out and you're supposed to worship God and you're looking in the face of barbaric, a barbaric enemy that just wants to tear you to shreds again, I'd be thinking, God, I don't know if this is a good plan. I think I'd like to be in the back and let somebody else be one of the praisers. Amen. And so, but the truth is that God's plan often is a little different than we come up with. Why? Because he wants to show himself mighty. And he did in that case. In fact, what he did was as they praised God, the enemy got confused. They fell on each other, killed each other. And it was an incredible victory for the Israelites. Now, I really think it's important. You've got to be led by the Spirit. You've got to really seek Him. You've got to press into Him. And as you do, you know, and as a team, as you do that as a team, too, that's why you need others to be around you and to press in together because it makes all the difference in the world. And that's how we, that's really how we bring victory in the midst of an attack. And uh, and the enemy is always on the attack. So that's number one. And the scripture says in Ephesians 6.10, it says a final word, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let's say that together. Be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power. Notice it's not in my mighty power. It's not how long I've been at the gym working out. That's not it. It's about his mighty power, that I'm able to access that, and I'm strong in his power. I know who I am in Christ, and we know who we are in Christ, and that's how we actually, that's how we achieve victory. That's number one. Number two, avoid sin. Say sin. Avoid sin at all costs. I know, I know it's not secret sensitive to talk about sin. I know that's something that shouldn't be brought up. But let me tell you something. I don't want you running around heaven when we get there and tell Pastor, why didn't you talk about it? Well, it's not secret sensitive I don't want to offend anybody. Let me tell you something. The enemy uses sin to really eat our lunch and then pop our bag. I mean, he comes in and just does everything he can to destroy us. So we have to be on guard because he's so deceptive. He'll make sin look so good. He'll make sin look really appetizing. He'll make it look really attractive. He'll try to convince us that this is the way to go. But I want you to know that when, when, when and sin is basically the word hamartia in the Greek. It means to miss the mark, you know. And so when we sin, you know, oftentimes it, it's, you know, Here's what we don't realize. When we sin, we think it just has an effect on us. But I want you to know, when you sin, it actually has an effect on, it has a rippling effect. It has an effect on your family. It has an effect on your friends. It has an effect on on your church family. It has an effect on so many. And that's why you can't afford to allow that to happen in your life. I I want to read something from, this was from Super Bowl 33. That's the last Super Bowl the Broncos won. They were playing the Atlanta Falcons. And interestingly enough, Dan Reeves was the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, he had been the former coach of the Broncos. But um, th- there was something very powerful that happened. Uh, and it's, Dan Reeves had just brushed his teeth. That's not the thing that was powerful. But anyway, he had just brushed his teeth, <laughs> dressed for bed, and prepared to turn in early the night before Super Bowl 33. He was hoping a good night's sleep would be the start of changing his luck after being after being part of three losing Super Bowls. Now, (laughs) then all of a sudden the phone rang. Well, I didn't get much rest that night, recalls Reeves, then the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. That infamous night on January 30th, 1999, the Atlanta Falcons' safety, uh, basically he was the spiritual leader and inspirational leader of the team safety Eugene Robinson, a man who had that morning received the Bart Starr Award for being a person of high moral character, was arrested for solicitating sex from an undercover police officer disguised as a prostitute. By morning, no one was talking about the 14 and 2 Broncos record uh, with the NFL's leading rusher Terrell Davis or that this could be John Elway's last game. The arrest became the overriding news of the game. You can never measure the effect that this had on our football team, but there's no doubt it was a tremendous distraction, Reeves said. That morning, Elway and offensive lineman Mark Schlereth were having breakfast together when a security guard told him the news. Mark Schlereth turned to John Elway and said, well, if I'm completely honest, it's like, oh, well, looks like we won the game. How could anybody do that to their teammates? Question mark. Reeves left, left it up to Robinson whether he wanted to play. Robinson played, but he was not himself. and It was clear the Broncos would try to take advantage of him. They went right after Robinson. A second quarter pass to Rod Smith caught him out of position. Smith ran right by Robinson for an 80-yard touchdown. The Broncos went on to win 34-19. to 19. Let me say this, when you see yourself as a team, you will not ever have the luxury to allow yourself to sin. Now, here's the deal, you know, sometimes people just preach so heavily on sin and they just drive somebody down who's sinned that basically they lose their ability to come out of that sin. It basically brings condemnation upon them. That's not good. Here's the good news. God is a God of grace. And he's a God of forgiveness. And so there's a balance here. Now, God, a lot of people think, well, God punishes you when you sin. Well, Jesus took the wrath and punishment upon himself. However, when a person sows to the flesh, how do they reap? There's always consequences to sin. But if you sow to the Spirit, what do you reap? To the Spirit. So there's good consequences of that. So there's bad consequences, but let me just say this. God's a God of grace. God's a God of restoration. God's a God of love. God wants to restore that person, and he, he wants to do it, and, but there's always consequences to sin. As I said, it has an effect on the team. It has an effect way beyond yourself, and so, but when a person sins, they need to the run immediately to God, and this brings us to number three. This brings us to number three. Receive and release forgiveness. You know, when I got saved at 28 and a half years old, I had messed up my life so badly. I really was under such condemnation and I just felt like God could never really forgive me. And I was overwhelmed when I began to see his love and his grace for me and he wanted to forgive me and he didn't want my past to define my future. It's so often the enemy, he would bring up stuff because he wants our past to define our future. I want you to say this with me. My past will not define my future, but Jesus Christ, my Lord, will define my future. See, the enemy's going to try to bring up things from your past, and if you, don't, if you don't come into that place where you receive forgiveness, and we're going to receive communion in a few minutes, and you'll have an opportunity, because there may be something in your past, maybe somebody did something to you that was wrong, and guess what? Welcome to planet earth, you know? Uh, I mean, things happen that are not right, but if you hold on to that, if you hold on to it and it turns into anger and bitterness, and it'll really mesh up. Let me list, give you an example of this. I learned this in a very hard way. I was pastoring, I was just out of I mean seminary, and I was uh, ministering up in Grand Lake, Colorado. I was ministering at a church there, the church was doing great, it was exploding, people were getting healed and saved. And, and there was a man who was an older man and he came against me so hard. He would be angry because he, because I preach you must be born again, which Jesus said. And, he's, you know, and he was angry with that. He was angry at me. He was angry that the church had been a nice little social club. And now there were long hairs coming in and getting saved. There were drug addicts getting saved. There were you know, all kinds of people coming in. And he didn't like that. And so he wrote a letter to the congregation analogizing me to Jim Jones and Adolf Hitler. And anyway, it was a rough time, I got to tell you. It was a rough, rough time. And Because uh, I was nice to this guy. I'd sit down and have tea with he and his wife and, you know, love on him, And I, I thought, how can anybody do this to me? Well, it began to eat at me and I began to get angry and I, I began to really, it began, it really began to take me over and it began to turn into bitterness. And I just want to tell you that bitterness and anger will only hurt you. It'll never hurt the other person. And it began to eat me up. And then and this is at the time when I had really discovered the word of God how it says that healing is ours and and how we could have healing and I my right leg I got an infection on in my right leg and my right leg and I was praying and having everybody pray for me and it just got bigger and bigger it was twice the size of my left leg And it got serious. And finally, you know, I went to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, they said, this is very serious. You have cellulitis. Now, that's not cellulite, ladies. That's cellulitis. And that is infection underneath the skin that spreads very rapidly. They quarantined me in a room with, interesting, with the assistant wrestling coach, coach from, from uh, Kremlin High School. They put me in this room, and I was there, and man, I was praying for healing, and I, but my, my leg kept getting worse. They gave me heavy antibiotics, but nothing was happening. After two days, the Lord said, you need to forgive this man. You need to forgive, and it took me two more days to forgive. I mean, I didn't want to forgive this guy. What he did was wrong. I wanted to get even and then get forgiven, you know, and I know. I <laughs> Just get even, and then I'll, then I'll forgive him. <laughs> How many know that's not the way God works? Amen. So so anyway, uh, I got to the point where I just cried out to God. But it took two days. You say, Pastor, why didn't you just forgive me? I, I wish I could have, but it was so deep in me. And so I had. It took me two days. I remember burying my head in the pillow. And finally, the only way I was able to forgive is Jesus showed me Himself hanging on the cross in agony, taking all the dumb things I did to other people and the dumb things I did in my life, and forgiving me. And then He said, "Therefore, you must forgive." And I was finally able to release forgiveness. Do you know an amazing thing happened within two hours? Within two hours after I was able to do that, my leg was totally went down to normal, was totally healed. The doctor came in, the doctor came in, and he said, "You can go home." And I was clapping. Believe me, I was very happy about that. He goes, "You can go home." You know, I learned that lesson that actually that unforgiveness was affecting my health, and uh, in a very dramatic way. Now, the wrestling, the assistant wrestling coach was there for two weeks. I'm not saying he hadn't forgiven the, anybody. I'm not saying that. It's not, but but I, I probably would have been there for at least two weeks had I not forgiven. And, uh, again, it's very, very important to not only receive forgiveness but release forgiveness to other people. And, uh, and so I want to give you the scripture for this. In fact, if you turn in your Bibles, I'd like you to look at it in your Bibles. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I happen to be using the uh, NLT today. I use a lot of different Bibles, um, but, <clears throat> but I'm just going to read from the NLT. And if you'll turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter four, I'm going to pick it up from about verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbor the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And I'm going to say the same team because it's Super Bowl Sunday, but uh, we're all part of the same team. And so we can't lie. We can't cover it up. You see, when God knows about it and we know about it, you can't cover it up because you've got to bring it to the light. You cannot. You've got to speak the truth. You've got to speak the truth. And you've got to do it in love. And so, very important. Then it goes, and then he goes on to say this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, deal with that anger. Don't just say, oh, well, I have a right to be angry. And I felt like I had a right to be angry. But that doesn't matter. You've got to forgive. And so it goes on to say this. It says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, that word foothold is the word topos in the Greek. It means ground. You actually give the enemy uh, an opportunity to come into your life. When you have anger, unforgiveness in your life, and bitterness, those things, it gives an opportunity for the enemy to come in and really bring destruction. So you've got to close that door. You don't want the enemy to be able to come in. That's very, very important in, in understanding God's game plan. And, uh, and I'm going to jump down to about verse... Uh, Let's bump down to verse 30. It says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And here's the key part I want you to see, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness. You know what all means on the Greek? All. You better believe it. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, now here's the key, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even when you don't want to, I'm adding that, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Notice the empowering comes in God through Christ forgiving you. Now, it's so important. I believe in, in, we're going gonna to receive communion in just a minute. And uh, when we do that, you'll have an opportunity. Maybe somebody did something to you years ago and that you need to forgive, and you've been hanging on to something. Maybe it's been this week. Maybe it's been recent. You got to let it go. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you did something dumb this week. Don't raise your hand, but, you know, <laughs> but I did, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. because I don't have time anyway, but uh, anyway, I did something dumb, but, you know, if I hold on to that, and I just beat myself up over it, uh, then I, I, I'm going to be a mess. You know, I did something dumb in the last service. I forgot to show the Britton Colquith uh Uh, video, Lana came up and said, did you forget to show that? I went, ah, no. And then I kind of beat myself up a little. I go, hey. You just preach on forgiving yourself, forgive yourself and move on. Anyway, I remember it, so you guys got it. But anyway, uh, but, but anyway, it's, it's amazing how when we make a mistake, how easy it is for us to beat up on us ourselves. And God wants you, to, he wants you to just let it go, receive forgiveness, don't do dumb things. You know, and, and I mean, it was unintentional, but uh, anyway, these things happen. So it's important to understand that his forgiveness is there for you. And, uh, you know, um, I, I got to tell you that, it's so, so important that we don't allow the enemy to have any place in our life because it brings us into that place of freedom. Now, (laughs) I want to, I did this in the last service and I wasn't sure I was going to do it, but I really feel the Lord saying to do this again. Uh, I believe a lot of us, you know, are, uh, I believe today, this is what the Lord showed me in the first service, he's shown me again, that there's several people here and, and you're battling oppression, You're battling possibly depression and even some anxiety, uh, any one of those areas. Now, what is oppression? Oppression is when the enemy comes in and you have thoughts that you know are not your own. There's a resistance that's beyond yourself. And I believe, and, and I can tell you, I have gone through life with resistance and battling. And let me tell you one more thing. Sometimes if there's no resistance, sometimes you may be going the direction just the way the enemy wants. I'm not saying that's the case. But I want to be, I want you to be honest with me. Uh, And we had several in the last service. How many of you would say, pastor, I do feel like I've been battling oppression, could be depression or anxiety. Would you raise your hand? Yep. Hands all over. Just, yep. Many. Bless you. Bless you. By the way, I've got my hand up with you because, uh, man, I've been in a battle recently as well uh, with oppression. And so uh, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I did this in the last service. It's very powerful. I'm going to have you stand, those of you. And I'm standing with you. So I want those of you to raise your hand, would you stand right now? And I believe when you do that, you're going to feel this is, there's going to be a freedom that comes. I'm going to speak a breaking over this. And uh, this is what the Lord showed me. And so I want you to extend your hands to those people that, that, are, that are standing. Would you extend your hands to them? And uh, we're going to pray right now. And, uh, and, and, and I just want you to realize, and then uh, at the end, I'm going to have you clap your hands, but that, I'll tell you when to do that. Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you and praise you for each and every person standing. I know that oftentimes when we're going your direction, God, there's tremendous resistance. The enemy tries to bring oppression. He'll try to bring anxiety, depression. He'll try to bring those things to stop us. But I say he cannot stop the plan that God has for his children. I say God is greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. And so right now, I take authority over every attack of the enemy, over everything that's trying to hold your children back, Father, I take authority in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And I say, no, you cannot hold back God's children. And on three, we're going to clap. One, two, three. Let's do it again. One, two, three. One, two, three. Let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah. Now stay standing. I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm free. free. Again, I'm free. free. One more time. I'm 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 free. Let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you. You may sit down. Now, let me just say this. When the enemy tries to come back, realize you have that authority. You don't have to wait till church. You can do it on your own. You can take that authority. You have that authority. The problem is lots of times we're not aware it's the enemy. And so when you can stand against him... It makes all the difference to the world. That's why we need each other. That's why we have home groups. That's why we we have Christian community because we believe together there's great power together because we are a team, amen? We're gonna receive communion right now. This is a great time to receive it. And uh, Father God, I just wanna thank you and praise you. I wanna thank you for Jesus and the incredible victory that he won on the cross 2,000 years ago. Now, as we receive what represents the broken body and what represents the blood, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to do a mighty work. You know, the reason Jesus' body was broken was so that you could be whole. Now, here's what I want to say to you. As you receive what represents the broken body, Lord Jesus, I ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and bring wholeness where there has been brokenness. I ask you to come in and bring physical, emotional healing. I ask you to come in and do a mighty work. And so we don't receive... what represents the body of Jesus in 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 a religious way we receive it in a relational way allowing you to move now go ahead and receive what represents the broken body of Jesus hold on to the cup though do not drink the cup we're going to drink the cup together Everybody's been served. If you haven't been served, would you raise your hand? So I want to make sure we got everybody. It looks like we did. Okay. Good job, guys. I just want to say what you hold in your hand represents the strongest force on the face of the earth. You see, this represents the blood of Jesus. Now, it doesn't matter whether it's small or whether it's big, but it is the power to forgive. And as a team, we not only need to receive forgiveness and forgive ourselves, but we need to forgive others. It's so important. We need to pick up those that are hurting, come by their side, show them the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Before we can do that, we gotta forgive ourselves. That might be the one you need to forgive this morning the most. Maybe if somebody did something to you, might've been recent, might've been years ago. I believe the Holy Spirit will make it very clear. Before you receive this, make sure you deal with it in your heart. You don't want, you gotta have your heart pure. You've got to have it clean before him. Otherwise, the enemy has access. We don't want him to have any access because he's a jerk anyway. <laughs> Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you that he paid the highest price. His blood shed for us. We don't want it to be in vain. If we refuse to forgive ourselves, we have just placed ourselves above the blood of Jesus because he's forgiven us. 100 percent, not just 80 percent. And so today, Father, we look into our hearts. And Lord, if there's something we need to forgive ourselves for, we do. If there's another person or persons. We choose, by an act of our will, not by an act of our feeling, by an act of our will, to forgive them because we've been forgiven. Now let's drink the cup together. Thank you for setting us free, Father. Thank you for allowing us to walk close to you, to fulfill the destiny you have for us, individually and collectively. We're gonna have the worship team stay up here. I wanna share one more point, then we're gonna close with a chorus. So I know some of you'd be upset because I didn't give you the blank for number four. (laughs) You know, there's one thing I really, really bothers me. I really hate. I really don't like. Actually, there's a whole lot of things that bother me, but I'm not going to go into that. But one thing that really bothers me in football is a passive defense, a passive that goes in to prevent defense too early. Actually, it just prevents you from winning the game when you do that. That's why I like Wade Phillips. He's aggressive. And that's the answer here, aggressive. God wants us to be aggressive in his power. Now, not in our power. We're loving and gentle and caring. But when it comes to the enemy, we need to be aggressive against him. The scripture in James 4, 7 says, resist the enemy and he will flee. And it, in the Greek, it means as in terror from you. We got to resist him, though. We can't just lay back and go, oh, well, okay, sara, you know, whatever. I guess it's just my lot in life. No, 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 no. No. no, the enemy's going to try to stop you, but I'll tell you, he can't because God's greater. And so it's really important to know that we have two offensive weapons. I don't have time to go through the whole armor. But I do want to say this, to prove that we go forward, there's, no, there's nothing for our back. There's no butt plate of righteousness. <laughs> there's no back plate of faith. There's nothing in the back. It's all in the front breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, feet shod with the gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, to go forward. We don't go backwards, folks. We go forward. That's why the armor is that way. And then there's two offensive aspects of the armor. And I've got it in your notes. It's 17 and 18, of Ephesians 6. First of all, the sword of the Spirit. Notice it says, of the Spirit. Not just the Word. It's of the Holy Spirit. And the, it says the, holy, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Two words in the Greek for the word. Logos, which means just the word, and rhema. Rhema is the revealed word by the Spirit. That's the word used here. So we use the rhema, the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. We use it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper in every lying tongue that rises in judgment. I shall condemn. We shall condemn. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority, us, authority, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, I just want you to know we have that authority, folks. We need to use it. You don't have to yell at the devil. You just need to know who you are in him, amen? The second thing is to pray in the spirit at all times. What does that mean? It means I need to pray. Now, I can pray in my native language, inspired by the spirit, or I can pray in tongues. It's very powerful, and it's a weapon that God's given us to walk in victory. Paul understood this. He understood that it's not only the defensive weapons that we have, but also the offensive weapons. We're on the offensive. We're making a difference here, amen? So you know what I forgot to do today, but I I just remembered now. I was gonna do this before communion. I was gonna give people a chance to receive Christ, but I'm gonna do it now, never too late. I want you to bow your heads. If you're here today and you say, man, it's, this sounds good. I'm glad Jesus died for me. It's not enough to just know that. you got to receive him personally. I want everybody to just pray this simple prayer. Just follow after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Please forgive me of all the dumb things I've done. Thank you that you do. Come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. And if I've strayed away I'm coming back to you, 100%, in Jesus' name. Let's give him a great hand. If you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time, please let us know. We have a Bible for you, we want to walk with you, we want to strengthen you, we want to help you in any way we can. Tell you what, let's stand to our feet. I want you to say this with me say because of you jesus i am free i am free i am free, I am free. I am free. I am free. let's give him a great hand Woo. hallelujah